Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel Little Conversation, where experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom, and think. I'm Dina Mackey, Research Director at Mintel. We are recording this episode on Thursday, May the 7th. I think we are in week eight of our COVID-19-induced social isolation here in Chicago. And today we're talking about some of the trends that are rising out of this social isolation period, one of which is do-it-yourself beauty and fashion. Before we get into this topic, let's introduce our guests. Hi, I'm Alexis DeSalva. I am the Senior Retail Analyst here. I focus on retail and e-commerce um, with an area of expertise in apparel and beauty. Hi, I'm Lauren Goodset. I am a Senior Global Beauty Analyst on the platform team, and I specialize in color cosmetics as well as fragrance. So you guys know me. We've done a roundtable podcast together, actually. And what you know about me is I know nothing about beauty. I know nothing about fashion. I am the person that hates even trying on clothes. This is, I hate it so much. I will order things, try them on at home, and just keep them forever, even if they don't fit. Those um, made well pants. <laughs> oh, we could talk about that forever. Um, I hate getting my nails done. I hate getting my hair done. I Putting on my makeup in the morning is my, honestly, I can say without reservation, it's the worst part of my day. I don't like anything about it. So I feel like, host. <laughs> right, exactly. But I feel like this is my time to shine because in the pandemic moments, no one can see me and I can go about my day not having to think about all of these things. So I'm really interesting to hear from an expert. Are you guys meeting me halfway? Have you given up on some of your beauty routines? What are consumers doing? Are they lazy like me or are they still looking as fabulous as you guys? Lauren, do you want to take it? Yes, sure. Because Lauren uh, looks beautiful and has like wonderful lighting right now. I honestly <laughs> wish we maybe we should maybe I'll take a snapshot of this so you could see if you could just yes, see the beauty should. and fashion people that <laughs> compared to me. No, oh my god, amazing. please. No. Um, you know, I think that we are seeing a lot of consumers start to do kind of these DIY do it at home. So they know that they can't go to the salons to get their hairs to get their hair done. They can't go to get their nails done. So they are you know, we said we're now in week eight. Um, And so maybe in the beginning, there was a little bit more lax behavior of maybe I'll skip my makeup today, I'll wear my hair natural. But I think we're starting to kind of see it come into its own and consumers saying it makes me feel good to wake up and do my hair to put on a nice outfit, to put a little bit of makeup on. So I think we're kind of meeting in the middle, maybe you're not putting your full breath of makeup on and curling your hair, but you're doing you know, an easy blowout and a little bit of makeup here and there. And I think Alexis, I know I've seen some of her great outfits that she's been posting. So it's, you know, it's kind of whatever makes you feel good during this time. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, because I feel like you do start to shift because like we're joking like, oh, I'm on Zoom. No one's seeing me. But I actually feel like I feel sometimes more on display because you're just getting like focus on the top half of your body. So it's your face and your hair Mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit of your outfit. So I think for me, like getting dressed is something that I've always done. And I feel like that helps me like have a routine. But there are days like yesterday, I was like, I literally don't have any time to wash my hair and I don't have time to put on makeup. I'm going to put on a dress. 
stress. But then other days, like for the most part, I tried to at least put on a little bit, like a swipe of mascara, or I started like doing my brows more, things like that, because I think we are kind of past that point of like, oh, we're just going to like nest inside for a little bit. And now we're starting to get even more stir crazy. And I think you need to have some sense of normalcy and some grasp, like something to kind of have control over um, and also keep you busy a little bit. But that also makes you feel good. So I feel like it starts to kind of shift like um, I can't get my hair cut, but I can put on mascara or I can do my nails. I was just chatting with a coworker before we hopped on about I haven't worn eyeliner in like three months. (laughs) Not that I ever wore it that much before, but I'm like, why? I don't need to. So I think you start to kind of like reprioritize and find like little things you can do. And even like painting my nails is something that I'm like, well, that'll almost like relax me for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think there are also those grooming habits that you just feel better when you look in the mirror. So if your roots are growing out, whether you have grays or you dye your hair blonde, you know, trying to fix your roots just when you look in the mirror will inherently make you feel a little bit better. The nail care, I think you can go both ways. Maybe you're not painting your nails because you have a hard time doing that, but you're trimming your cuticles, you're using cuticle oil more. (laughs) Alexis, your nails look good. At least the hand that we saw. (laughs) The left hand. (laughs) Yes. Uh, You know, so I think there are definitely, in beauty, we're seeing some of these grooming wellness practices that people are putting more efforts into their skincare, that they're using hair masks to make sure that their hair is healthy. So there's definitely little things that consumers are doing in their homes to really help to make themselves feel a little bit better during this difficult time. I I was just curious, do you think if people are relaxing their routines even a little bit, will they, when we come out back into the sunshine, are people going to say, you know, maybe I didn't need the makeup products or the hair coloring every six weeks? Or do you think people are going to be so relieved that they're able to access those services again, they're going to go right back to their old routines? You know, I think... I've looked into it with nails and pre-COVID there was, we wrote a nail care report that came out and it said, I think about 30% of U.S. consumers had concerns about the cleanliness of nail salons. So of course I would expect that that would be exponentially increased as we come out of COVID. Now, will those same consumers say, while I was at home, I learned to give myself a gel manicure. I realized it's not that bad me painting my own nails. So maybe I'll go to the salon once a month rather than every week to minimize my risk. I think we will see some real shifts in consumer behaviors where they realize there are areas where I can give and there are areas where I can take. And we'll see that start to balance out a little bit once we're out of this. I totally agree. And I think it's going to be twofold and I think it's going to be split. So it's going to depend on the consumer. It's going to depend on their situation. If you're someone who is suddenly out of work or, you know, your employment status is uncertain, then I think you know, you're going to probably have to get your hair cut because we've all been inside for God knows how long. But are you necessarily going to go and get your eyebrows waxed or your roots touched up and or your nails done? Probably not. Just like you're going to be, you know, really reevaluating what what clothes do I need? Do I need clothes? How much do I need to spend? I think those kind of thresholds get uh, reevaluated. But I also think that the cleanliness is a really big factor. You know, 
clean will become a bigger purchase driver, not just in the terms of how we've been talking about it, like what um, what ingredients are in something, but really what is the um, sanitary nature of how I'm buying something or where it came from, how it was sourced. Is it is it clean to go to a store? Is it clean to try on clothes? Is it clean to get my nails done? Um, and I think for some people, that's going to be a bigger worry and concern than for others. I think there's definitely a regional aspect of that, of what was the status of the pandemic like in your region and you know how much of an effect did it directly have on you but I think it's kind of that twofold nature of the cleanliness factor and then also how essential do I need to be with my budget um, depending on my situation yeah and I think you know especially with hairdressers and estheticians that will see kind of this surge of them coming out and talking about their cleanliness practices when you come into the the salon you have to wear a mask the amount of consumers allowed in is limited I think we're going to see a lot of changes there just so that people feel comfortable whether it be we're taking your temperature before you come in or you know you have to be wearing a mask you have to be wearing gloves whatever they choose to put in place I think as Alexis said, yes. Do people need to get their hair cut? Certainly. Will it change based on your financial standing? Definitely. Um, but I, I don't see consumers, you know, staying with the at-home hair dye. How is everybody going to do balayage to their own hair? I agree. I think that that's like a really interesting point too, because one aspect that is hard to really predict is what is that phased return to normal going to look like? Because it's going to be a new normal. So I was talking about this with one of my friends the other day. Like, I think we're all so desperate just to get our hair cut. Um, if you are in a bad position like me where your hair grows really quickly and you haven't had your hair cut since the beginning of February, you're starting to get a mullet. Um, had a bob going towards a mullet. <laughs> Unintentional. Um, but I think... I'll be lucky if I can even get to her by August. I was joking. Like, even if we get out, even if like the social isolation restrictions are lifted in June, how is she ever going to be able to, you know, manage all the influx and the demand? And I think, you know, you're going to have to limit how many people are inside, what that distance looks like between the stylist and the customer. And that is still the same for in-stores for shopping. So we're going to continue to see that shift online. Um, we're going to continue to see consumers, you know, really relying on certain platforms uh, in order to, to kind of browse and look for clothes if they're shopping at all, because that in-store experience is going to be very different in the interim and probably in the long term, but at least that interim is going to be the most different in terms of what consumers are used to and what it will be. How has this shifted how people dressing, how they're thinking about what they need in their wardrobes and their closets? Has, have you seen any changes there? Yeah, I think apparel tends to be the first, one of the first areas where consumers will cut back. You know, if they are on a budget or, or really concerned about their finances, like a lot of people are right now, um, those non-essential items are going to be where they cut, apparel being one of them. And we are definitely seeing consumers already starting to deprioritize um, their spending on that category. Also, I think it just goes back to a need. Not only are you worried about your money, but do you really need to be dressing up every day if you're at home? And even if you're doing that, you can get it from your closet. A lot of events are canceled, not only for right now, but who knows what, what the future of you know socializing will look like in terms of weddings being rescheduled and things like that. We're seeing... Um, you know, a lot of people focusing more on comfort. So that is where the lot, a lot of the growth or at least momentum is in the categories on the active wear side or athletic wear with people exercising at home. Then they also need like sneakers. 
but that only goes so far. I don't think people are going to be, you know, fully investing in a new um, wardrobe filled with active wear. They probably already have things or how many sneakers do you really need? So I think that there is some optimism, but not necessarily enough to offset. And I think the growth online is, is you know, has been happening for a while, but again, it's not enough to offset all the downturns. So we're really starting to see consumers getting crafty and getting creative with shopping their own closets and then also kind of becoming their own store. Um, so that kind of goes back to this topic that became pretty popular before COVID, which is the circular economy. So by that, I mean, um, instead of a traditional model of going a store or clothes are produced, they go to a store, a consumer buys them. And then what happens to them? We never know. And that really contributes to a lot of waste. These alternative options, such as like a rental or a resale, um, were really gaining a lot of popularity pre-COVID. So I think that it has a lot of potential right now to continue, but there's also a little bit of risk. I think on the rental side, that goes back to my earlier point, are you really going to be renting, especially when a lot of options like Rent the Runway works on a subscription model? You don't necessarily need to be paying for that if you don't have anywhere to go. But on the resale side, there's a lot of interest and movement. So interest in secondhand buying before the pandemic was really high. So over 70% of consumers would consider buying secondhand and almost 40% had already done so. Um, And that is going to continue to grow in certain markets. So two really popular platforms are Poshmark and Depop. I'm not cool enough for the for the Depop. I feel like that's what the One Gen day. Zs are using, um, but they are getting really popular. So uh, Depop reported that U.S. sales were up over a hundred percent from the same time last year um, in mid-April, and they had doubled in the U.K. And then Poshmark had reported that the third week of April was actually their best ever sales week. So. In traditionally, if you were comparing those numbers at a regular retailer, a linear retailer, you would think, well, man, that's outpacing holiday sales. That becomes a little bit of, of a different story because it's not necessarily apples to apples for these, you know, secondhand sites. But I think that this is just the beginning of this uptick. And I think the benefits are really um are really kind of varied because they serve as a distraction. It can be like a little bit of a hobby for consumers. They're cl- they're at home, they're cleaning out their closets. Um, it allows them to have some sort of uh, control in this chaotic time of like something I can do, something I can clean and get rid of. Lauren mentioned that earlier with like cleaning out their beauty cabinets. Same thing happening here. But there's also a little bit of a sense of community. So you kind of, you have to kind of correspond. You're not necessarily doing so face to face, but there are virtual meetups. You have to talk to the person who is either buying your goods or you're trying to buy from them. So it gives a little bit of, of an opportunity to socialize. And then obviously to to either make money or to get deals. So there really is a benefit there to these platforms. And I think it's going to continue. Yeah, I did a big closet clean out, um, but I I did not do Poshmark or Depop, I think you said. I actually, I just have very large garbage bags of clothes in the trunk of my car. And I was going to go to Goodwill or Salvation Army, but then I saw that they're overloaded, the boxes. And so they're asking you to not, go and drop things off. So I just have a trunk full of uh, my outdated college clothes. So they're ready to go. Same. 
I'm also living amongst trash bags full of clothes that I need to get rid of. I I am in the exact same boat. I've been like trying to kind of compartmentalize. And I think that is what a lot of people are doing. They're actually looking at what are they wearing, especially now when they, you know, aren't getting dressed. It's what are they going to gravitate towards and what are they actually going to want to wear after all this and anything else? It's like, how can I repurpose? How can I, you know, DIY? I think there is a little bit of that kind of um, overlap when you think about like, all right, I'm going to get crafty and do color my roots or do my own nails well Mm -hmm. you can kind of go shop your own closet or you know become your own store really and and kind of make some money off of it which um, is appealing to a lot of consumers right now I loved what you said about um, consumers getting creative and shopping their own closets because I'm thinking the same thing on the beauty side. Are you seeing that people, they're at home, they feel safe to maybe try out new beauty trends or get a little wild. I feel like people are kind of stepping out and getting a little creative because they don't have the fear of like, I have to go to work the next day. And if my hair is purple, I'm going to be horrified. Mm -hmm. Is this moving the market at all? You know, I mean, personally for me, I have a lot of products that I've received from clients or from shows. And so I find that I'm trying to go through them rather than, of course, I did put some large Sephora orders in during the Sephora sale, but (laughs) I'm also trying to go through some of my older products and or products that I just never had the chance to try. And you're exactly right. Just that trial and error. If it dries out my hair, if it does something weird to my skin, I'm home. The only people who are going to see me are, you know, on a Zoom call. So it won't be that bad. So I definitely think there is more of that. Okay, what should I try now? I'm sitting at home. Is there a mask that I should try? Is Should I try this new eyeliner technique that I never would try for the office because I'm running too late in the mornings, but now I have a little bit of extra time. So why not give it a go? Um, So definitely think, and you know, Alexis mentioned it with kind of having more time to be creative and to, you know, do a little of these kind of like self-expression actions. Um, And so I think we're definitely seeing an uptick on that side within beauty. I think it's, it goes back to that holistic idea of wellness too. I mean, I talked about clean being a purchase driver, but we already knew that well-being is a purchase driver and that's going to keep going. I think now more than ever, consumers are really hyper aware of their physical well-being, but the time at home, it's kind of like that time to like have your safe space. Like, what do I want to do for myself today? What kind of treat can I do? Me personally, I, I love a mask. And I think even that's like a small little thing I can do for myself at like the end of the night or even like on on a Sunday, I'm like, let me just put it on and sit here and have like 15, 20 minutes, whatever it takes. So I think it all kind of falls under that bucket. But bucket. Oh my gosh, I've been inside too long. <laughs> I can do a face mask, but I can't talk. But it all falls under that wellness bucket of you know your mental, your physical, your total well being. And I think that that with the whole focus on cleanliness is going to be you know that double edged um, sword going forward. And I think you know, that's, that's the interesting part. I feel like a lot of talk within this quarantine realm has been, you do what feels good to you. So if it's going to make you happy to wake up and do your full makeup routine and blow dry your hair and curl your hair and put on an outfit, then you do that. If you're someone who wants to sit barefaced and just wear your pajamas all day, do that. So I think, you know, there are a lot of at-home beauty rituals that you can do. We've seen a lot within lashes, a lot within nails, hair, 
care. Um, so lots of different areas that consumers are exploring and it's really what makes them feel good. If it makes you feel good to wake up and, you know, you have longer lashes because you've been using a lash serum or you are putting false oh, lashes on because you can't go get your extensions, um, then, then you're doing that because it makes you feel good during a time when you're not really getting as much of that interaction and happiness from the outside world. I'm glad you brought up lashes, right? Because I was, you mentioned lashes earlier and I'm like, how are lashes part of a beauty routine? Did not know I needed oh, oh, okay. yes, extensions. Serums. I mean, yes. I know about extensions, but a lash serum, I feel like now I'm, I'm missing something. Oh yeah, you are. Um, <laughs> She's like, your lashes look terrible. <laughs> you need a lash serum. So a lash serum, it's a right, lash it's growth down. serum. So oh. obviously you can't go out and get your lash extensions from the salon. Sorry, Dana. You can be kind of keeping track of the health of your lashes. So they have growth serums, grande lash, lash food. What they do is you swipe it on at night and then it promotes the health and growth of your natural lashes. I'm literally writing this down. So definitely something, really something to look into. I actually just uh, saw a product today from this brand called Kiss and it's called Falscara. They have a lash starter kit. Cute. So this is it's fake eyelashes, which I know can be really tricky for people to put on themselves with the adhesive, but these lashes actually glue into the inner part of your eye. So you swipe a, um, a bonder onto your lashes and then you, they have a tool that it comes with and you actually place each of the lash sets onto the underneath of your eye and then do one more coat of bonder. Uh, And I hope that I'm saying that right. And then you look like you have, uh, lash extensions in. So for all wow. your Zoom calls, you can oh be my goodness. very bright eyed and ready to go. Alexis, wow. if you can't paint your right nails, I <laughs> implore you, please don't try to put bonder oh on your lashes my for Zoom calls. Okay, so listen, the lash serum is the easiest option. You just swipe it on. That I can handle. It doesn't matter if it gets a little with my left hand. So I think I can handle it. Yeah, I know. It's okay. a talent. Yes. <laughs> so just my nail. <laughs> go with the lash serum. But it's definitely, I think lashes are something that when you have mascara, you have your lashes done. It's something that just is that little totally. pop that makes you feel good. If I do nothing else, I put on concealer and mascara. I feel like those are, See? especially yeah. now that it's like, and it still feels like I have nothing on. <laughs> you need a lash serum. I do. That's a really good point about um, having the focus on your face on a Zoom call, though. That, so beyond other people seeing you, you are really seeing yourself. And sometimes um, the same way other people see you, not the mirror reflection, but the same way other people see right. you on the Zoom call. So maybe people are paying more attention to, I would think, their skin, their hair, like how can I create more health in these, um, my beauty routine? Mm. I think you do really start to, you know, kind of focus in on other things that you wouldn't normally when we're having face-to-face conversations. That is kind of the downside because I feel like, I mean, we're on Zoom hours a day. If not just for work, then like I'm doing with my family or my friend. I have a friend one tonight. So I feel like it's constant. And sometimes you can't help but like, I was joking with my husband the other day. I was like, I feel like the space between my teeth is bigger than I ever realized. He's like, that's because you're staring at yourself on Zoom eight hours a day and it's starting to like seep into your brain. So I there's feel an like, uptick with Invisalign now. Yeah, <laughs> see, but I bet there is. Or like people doing like teeth whitening. Teeth whitening. Yeah. I've had the exact same experience in the past like week. See? Yeah. Yeah. I think much more critical. I mean, obviously we know that it's different when you're seeing yourself in camera than when you're looking in a mirror and kind of walking away, you know, our image is always there. 
And so that's where a lot of the beauty practices I think people will keep up with, whether they're trading down or doing maybe a little bit less than they would have. There's definitely um, practices that we have in place that we want to keep going just because of the nature of the work that we're doing and kind of that being in front of Zoom, FaceTime, whatever it might be more often than usual. So before we end this conversation, I'd love to chat a little bit about what you think the pros and the cons are of these trends that are coming out of this COVID-19 pandemic social isolation period. I think on the apparel side, in terms of like the DIY and using those circular options, particularly resale, I think it can go either way. I think the pro is pretty obvious that consumers can make money. They can get really good deals. Um, they feel accomplished when they're cleaning out or purging. Um, and I mentioned like that access to some sort of social network. So there's a lot of benefits there for their pockets and just for their um, well-being. But I think the con is a big one. And we've talked a little bit about this. Um, we did a post for Mintel's blog Um And the main thing that I think comes to mind is that cleanliness factor. And I feel like I keep, um, you know, beating a dead horse, but it is a big one because even before the pandemic, um, we had done a report on the circular economy that published in February 2020. So this data was from December 2019, I believe. Um, And we asked about concerns with some of these circular options. So with rentals um, and with resale, the two biggest concerns that consumers had were about cleanliness. So 55% of consumers were concerned about the cleanliness when renting and 58% were concerned about the cleanliness um, when buying pre-owned items. So that's really big. And I would bet that that number would go up now um, and will probably continue to grow. Obviously, that hasn't been a deterrent if, you know, Poshmark and Depop are reporting um, uh, such an increase in sales and activity, but that is going to be a big driver. And I think what consumers are feeling and doing right now will remain in some way as we kind of start to merge outside of our homes and start resuming to normal. But I also think there's going to be a shift because right now we don't know what that new normal is. There still is that uncertainty and it's, it will change and it will be different. Like I said, depending on where you are. Um, So I think as we start to kind of lessen the restrictions on the distancing and we start, start, start getting back to some of our normal practices, we're going to have a better idea of, you know, how safe are we? How clean is clean? Are retailers really maintaining the, the sanitary practices that they're promising? And I think how that goes will have an effect on if consumers continue to still rely on these or still have cons- these um, the third-party sellers and the resale sites or still have concerns um, with the cleanliness. And I also think the state of the economy is going to have a big play there. You know, what, what are you willing to prioritize um, cleanliness or, and concerns with quality or price? So that's going to be the big thing to watch for. Definitely. I mean, I think it's it's similar with beauty and with going back to the salons. There's always there is going forward going to be that cleanliness factor that consumers are concerned with. And maybe this time, this DIY time at home has kind of opened their eyes to there are certain things that I can do at home that I can take care of myself. And then there are others like doing my eyebrows and cutting my hair. And those are the must have go to the salon. So maybe it's more about limiting your interaction with others. But 
there still is that need. We all can't be hairdressers and cutting our own hair. We can't all start waxing and threading our eyebrows on our own, but maybe we can paint our own nails and maybe we can figure out our own lashes. So certainly with the state of the economy and the amount of money that consumers have readily available to spend on beauty will come into play. But I do think once we somewhat return to normalcy, we'll see, you know, consumers kind of playing this give or take game with themselves of, I was able to do this for the last three months so I can keep doing it. Or, you know, I really hate doing my own nails. So I am headed back to the salon right now. Um, So definitely kind of both sides of it. Well, I've loved talking to you both about this topic. You know, I'm a beauty and fashion pessimist, but I think that we came out with a lot of like silver lining nuggets for marketers and for brands and a couple of them that really stuck with me as someone who doesn't enjoy these categories, honestly, the creativity, like using this period Mm -hmm. to get creative with your look. Even I can get on board with that, even if creativity for me is dressing like a 12 year old boy. (laughs) I mean, but still... Whatever floats your style. Exactly. And that's the second point is, is you mentioned like Mm self-expression. This is a period of time where people don't have to worry about what are people going to think when they see me with this hair, with this outfit, with these shoes. And so people can reconnect with their own personal sense of style and beauty. And even if that's zero for me, like I'm completely on board with that. So great recommendations. Thank you. Thank you. It was a fun topic. Yes. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast content. We'll be here next week with another episode of The Little Conversation. Conversation.